Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Objective Health. I am your host, Elliot, and join with me uh, in the virtual studio is Doug and Erica. Hello. We're also joined by Damien on the ones and twos in the background. Hello. And in this week's show, we're going to be looking at the concept of immunoscape or leaky vaccines. We'll be talking about how uh, potentially ineffective vaccines uh, against um, viral pathogens can theoretically lead to um, more virulent viruses, more virulent pathogens, and um, contribute towards variants which are uh, a lot more deadly than the original viruses. So how, I mean, this is very important for what we're currently seeing today with COVID and the COVID vaccination campaigns. Um, And this is really on the back of a recent McCullough article published on the 12th of August, very recent. And it was titled, we've put it up on SART, it's titled, Are COVID Shots Fueling More Dangerous Mutations? So in this article, he explains or he introduces the, this concept that um, variants could potentially be um, being made more dangerous by, um, by vaccines which are not sufficient to suppress viral replication and to stop people spreading it from one another. Uh, This is particularly relevant because recent data cited in this article, um, and I've spoken about it previously, um, it was highlighted by the CDC um, that what, what recent studies have shown is that people who have had the vaccine may be just as likely as the unvaccinated to spread the virus. Um, and they, they call these things breakthrough infections. So if someone has a vaccine and they get the infection that the vaccine is meant to protect against, they call it a breakthrough infection. And now we have been speaking about vaccines on this show, particularly COVID vaccines, for a very long time. We've done lots of different shows on it. And uh, it was really early on, we were speaking about how um, the uh, the CDC, Anthony Fauci, and many of the other top health authorities were explicitly saying that the vaccine was not designed to protect one from catching the infection or to stop one from spreading the infection. The vaccine was never um, capable of doing that. It was, in fact, the, the aim of the vaccine was to prevent people from suffering from serious illness. Right. It was to reduce the symptoms. Um, And so although uh, some of the media headlines and some of the um, the information that you come across would suggest otherwise, uh, really, they have been relatively consistent in that regard in saying that it's not really designed and it was never designed to stop people from getting the infection. Um, And so McCullough describes in this article the dangers of a mass vaccination campaign where the vaccine is not capable uh, of reducing viral spread. And and he introduces this concept of leaky vaccines. And so this has been um, explained, or this has been this topic, or this concept has been highlighted previously 
Uh, he speaks about a, a study in 2015, which demonstrated that vaccines, which were in so-called imperfect, um, what that basically means is vaccines, which didn't protect people from uh, catching the virus or catching the pathogen and then spreading it onto others. Um, this was one of the ways in which uh, this could enhance the transmission of very virulent pathogens. So uh, it's based on this concept of, um, or, or uh, an, an, an analogy might be uh, the idea of, of giving antibiotics and uh, not giving them enough or not giving high enough dose. What that can do is it can wipe out uh, the majority of a particular pathogen, but what it leaves over is a small amount of, of pathogen which can adapt, which can change its genome, which can um, come up with mutations which are essentially resistant to the antibiotic or resistant to the antimicrobial and then spread. And this is what we're seeing with MRSA, for instance, um, antibiotic resistant staphylococcus. Because of the widespread use of antibiotics, we have this uh, problem where ordinary, ordinary antibiotics are not useful for, um, for specific pathogens now because they have found ways to adapt to that and found ways to mutate so that they are no longer susceptible. Um, and this concept can also potentially be applied to vaccines as well, in that if the vaccine is insufficient, um, then or imperfect as they would describe it, then what we have is a situation where the underlying virus or the virus which is in the body can then find ways to mutate, to adapt, um, and to become more virulent. And in that, in that sense, more deadly. And then essentially what we may be seeing here is that people who have had the vaccine, who have fostered an environment whereby viruses can become more virulent, may then become spreaders of a much more deadly virus. Yeah. So what you're saying is that it's not the unvaccinated. <laughs> yeah, it, this, is not, this is not a plague of the unvaccinated. It's uh, more likely. I mean, <clears throat> the, the idea being that... Um, the, all these variants that we're seeing now coming out um, that are, you know, dominating headlines, um, it could actually have been the vaccine that actually led to these. Um, you know, a, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, why didn't variants kind of show up at the beginning? Like, why are we only seeing all these variants now? And, you know, the answer, the lame answers that are given are usually that, oh, well, we weren't uh, very good at, at, at looking for them in the beginning. Um, and, you know, they, they say that these variants came out, you know, in um, December 2020, and they say that's before the big vaccine rollouts. But what they don't say is that actually all the um, trials were going on at that time. So there were people out there who were being vaccinated by these kinds of things, which means that these variants could have come about um, during just from people who were enrolled in the trials. So, it's very interesting, and there was a, a video on that uh, Mercola article by a YouTuber called What's Her Face, and she's pretty interesting, actually. She's somebody that you should follow, um, always giving very interesting information. But she actually pointed out that <clears throat> where you're seeing these variants show up, excuse me, <clears throat> where you're seeing these variants show up are actually countries in which they did have um, trials. 
Now, that's not necessarily an open closed case or anything like that, but it's very suspicious that um, a lot of these countries that were performing trials are also the countries where we first started seeing some of these variants show up, India being one of them, where the Delta, Delta variant kind of came from. So I found that to be pretty interesting. Also quite interesting, actually, is that there was a doctor um, back in March. Um, his name is Dr. Geert Vandenbosch, and he was actually warning about this. Like, from the beginning, he was saying, um, guys, these... Uh, and I should, I should point out that this guy is a vaccine scientist. He, like, you know, is doing studies on uh, vaccines. He's, like, you know... Probably before he came out and said this, we would be like he's one of the bad guys working with JSK Biologicals, Novartis, Solvay Biologicals, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Like this guy is, you know, he's embedded. He's in there. And he basically came out. He wrote an open letter to the WHO saying, um, guys, this is this is a serious problem um, because we have this max, mass vaccination campaign that is not capable of killing off the virus or um, preventing people from actually being able to to uh, um, kill it and not pass it on, um, we're going to be le- like you know opening the door for all kinds of variants to begin to circulate. And I think I mean it kind of looks like he's right. Um, I mean we don't know for sure that that's what's going on, but it certainly seems like um, this this is what we're starting to see right now. What's interesting about this, too, is I I have a feeling that they knew that this potential would happen because back in 2016 with the quote unquote measles outbreak at Disneyland, um, the same kind of thing happened. It was, you know, it was in children, so it was a much smaller portion of the population, but basically vaccinated children were spreading the measles. Mm -hmm. And the same narrative is being used currently. And this is why it's so fascinating to have a little perspective on history because they were blaming unvaccinated children at that time for spreading it. But when you really looked into what was happening, it was children that were vaccinated for the measles that were actually still contracting the measles. So they had to have known this, this, that the the potential was there. Mm -hmm. And obviously like Von der Bosch, they, they, you know, they have the science to show that they just don't share that science with people. I would yeah. rather turn around and say, as you were saying, Doug and Elliot, this whole push is to, you know, just, you know, trust the science, which is a certain type of science, not the science that actually we could look back and see that they knew that the potential was there all along. Yeah. It's interesting because this has actually been spreading around recently, thanks to a Joe Rogan clip. He was actually uh, speaking. I don't know who it was he was interviewing at the time, but he went on a bit of a rant about this and said that, you know, he's had doctors sending him this study from 2015 that uh, Elliot was talking about that says imperfect vaccination can enhance the transmission of highly virulent pathogens and basically just went on a rant about this. And it went, it was everywhere. That clip, I was seeing it on social media everywhere. Everybody was sharing that clip. So... This it's it's interesting that it's come to light um, recently, and that you know it, it seems like the public is being made aware of this, although certainly not through mainstream media uh, channels, but uh, alternative media channels. 
Well, even Reuters carried an article about oh, yeah? the Delta variant having same viral load as unvaccinated individuals who are infected with the virus on August 2nd. Mm-hmm. And it started out with among people infected by the Delta variant of the coronavirus, fully vaccinated people with breakthrough infections may be just as likely as unvaccinated people to spread the virus to others. New yeah. research. Yes. Yeah. So. I mean, the, the, the fact that that's coming out is interesting in and of itself, um, because, again, that's not something you'd expect to see in the mainstream media. But, um, well, on the other hand, they're kind of using it to their advantage because they're saying, oh, yeah, because of this, we need to keep the lockdowns. We need to keep the masks and all that kind of stuff. So <clears throat> in a way, that does kind of uh, go along with their uh, their agenda. But it's more specifically the idea that the vaccines are causing these variants that I think is much more fringe and you're much less likely to see that in the mainstream. Yeah. Um, although it seems to be a, um, a, a position which is supported by many of the academics or mm. several academics uh, who have, a, a, you know, a pretty solid education in this. There is a molecular biologist. Her name is Dr. Jan- Jancy Lindsay. She's a molecular biologist and toxicologist. Now she, um, she gave a a statement. Um, it was where, where was she giving it? There's a video of it. Um, and it was taken off of YouTube. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. And, and, um, and, and unfortunately, even on the article that was discussing this, this talk, uh, on global research, they they explicitly said it's on YouTube now, but YouTube is is basically that they're, they're going to um, censor it. Um, and and so yeah, she spoke to the CDC. She'd basically given like a public statement. Um, she explained her her position and what her position is is that the COVID vaccines should or what she she, she believed that they should have been halted immediately um, because she was citing evidence. Um, the other professionals in the field have found uh, demonstrating that COVID vaccines could cross react. Um, basically what that means is they, they, the antibodies which are generated from the vaccines can, can also be specific to our own tissue. And, and one of these cells or one of these proteins that was cross reactive with the COVID vaccines was a protein called syncetin. Um, and this is one of the proteins, which is really important for how, uh, the cells in the placenta, um, function and essentially it is involved in fertility. So if someone has antibodies against this protein, then it's theoretically possible that they are going to have some kind of, uh, um, a miscarriage or some major complications in pregnancy. And ironically, um, since the mass vaccination of using the mRNA vaccines, we have seen there have been numerous cases of spontaneous abortion, miscarriage, um, and other pregnancy complications along with potential fertility issues. Now, we haven't seen the long-term fertility kind of data, but I think it's I I don't have high hopes for that. I think that it is very likely to, you know, to be problematic for long-term fertility. But in her statement to the CDC, she was, um, she was explaining that 
Yep. So there's a credible reason to believe that COVID vaccines will cross-react with syncetin and reproductive proteins in sperm, ova, and placenta, leading to impaired fertility and impaired reproductive and gestational outcomes. That's one of the things that she's spoken about. Um, she also was discussing uh, several um, uh, other kind of uh, well-known kind of problems with the vaccine. She was discussing the... Um, coagulopathies that have been present, um, that have been found, the blood clotting disorders. Uh, this is quite a common side effect of several of the vaccines, even the ones without the mRNA. Um, and then there is also um, the, the article or the author of the article was saying that they had uh, actually reached out to this molecular biolog biologist um, and asked her about um, this concept of immune escape. And so uh, the author of this article says, third, there is strong evidence for immune escape and that inoculation under pandemic pressure with these leaky vaccines is driving the creation of lethal mutants that are both newly infecting a younger age demographic and causing more COVID-related deaths across the population than would have occurred without intervention. That is, there is evidence that the vaccines are making the pandemic worse. So again, this we've spoken previously about how vaccination does appear to suppress the immune system um, quite acutely. So for several weeks, there are uh, there's neutropenia, so low levels of neutrophils. There's imbalances in the T cells, which are responsible for fighting against infection. Um, and it does seem that I mean, there have been several outbreaks of. Um, I mean, we've spoken about this over the past couple of shows as well, where we see um, residents in care homes, for instance, having mass vaccination. And then all of a sudden, uh, many of them dying shortly after. In Israel, this is exactly what we saw. We saw mass vaccination campaigns. People who were uh, part of a completely different demographic, they were younger, um, they were healthy individuals who were actually getting sick. They were dying from whether it be the vaccine side effect or whether it be the actual uh, virus or whether it be a variant of the virus. We don't actually know at this point. What it does seem is that there does seem to be a correlation between uh, vaccination campaigns and the spread of what appears to be um, a more dangerous kind of version of the virus. Yeah. There's that as a possibility or alternatively, um, is it, is it, could, could these deaths and, and these issues be put down to merely a, a side effect of the vaccine or are they interrelated? Uh, this is what no one really knows at the moment. Um, unfortunately, this, this particular molecular biologist has been censored from YouTube. I think she's been censored from other social media platforms as well. And she seems thoroughly educated and, um, and, and well kind of qualified to, to, um, to have a, a position on this. And, uh, and it seems as though uh, it, it's kind of fallen on deaf ears. Now, I did do a little bit of research to see if there was any uh, studies looking at whether there are uh, anti antibodies against syncytin protein and whether there is like a cross-reaction between the mRNA vaccines. There was one study which uh, which didn't find any cross-reaction. They didn't find any kind of autoantibodies against this protein, but it was only on 15 females. That, that was the sample size. And so ultimately, 
when you're dealing with um, like a wide ved- widespread vaccination campaign, I mean, we need a much larger sample size to draw any conclusions from this. Um, and I haven't properly looked through all the data, but it would seem as though if you look at the miscarriages, for instance, it's not in everyone who has this vaccine, but it is in a proportion. And so just because... Um, a sample size of 15 did not find that there were antibodies against this protein does not mean that it's not happening in some people. And like she says, she rightly points out that it would be really simple for the CDC or for the uh, vaccine manufacturers to run a study to see if there was cross-reaction between the um, mRNA vaccines or the vaccine uh, ingredients and the synthetic protein. And according to her, it would, uh, it, w- it would take about 24 hours to complete the study, mm-hmm. but they haven't done it. Well, they're not collecting data, as Dr. McCullen had shared. We talked about a few weeks ago there in a campaign like this, collecting weekly data, particularly from pregnant women or, you know what I mean? Like it would seem like if you really wanted to uh, follow what was happening and safe and effective, you would continually be collecting data. And last week, the VAERS database went down. Uh, completely, because so many people are obviously looking into this, you know what I mean? And so I think they have the data, they're just not coalescing because it might not paint the picture that they want. And they're obviously not informing the public about that. So, Well, interesting. Going back to the um, Mercola article, um, they're talking about the Lambda variant. And apparently the Lambda variant has three spike protein mutations that help it resist neutralization by vaccine-induced antibodies. So how did it get that mutation? Specifically to help it reduce, or sorry, to help it resist neutralization by vaccine-induced antibodies, right? So, I mean, to me, that's pretty telling. Like, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. I mean, that pretty clearly came out of somebody who had been vaccinated. You know, it has specifically mutated to avoid vaccine-induced antibodies. It's like, there's only one way that it's going to make that mutation, um, other than absolutely completely randomly, but I imagine the chances of that are, are so slim that to be impossible. Three different mutations. Um, and in that article, he says, while, while some claim to the emergence of Delta and Lambda is justification for a third booster shot, Rockefeller University researchers pointed out that a third dose might raise the number of antibodies, but it won't improve their ability to neutralize viruses. If a third dose can't neutralize any of the variants any better than two doses, then we're back at the beginning of this vicious cycle where imperfect neutralization drives additional mutation. The Rockefeller University paper also highlights the superior protection offered by natural immunity, which is what you get after you've recovered from an infection. According to the authors, memory antibodies selected over time by natural infection have a greater potency and breadth than antibodies elicited by vaccination. Which is so fascinating in all of this, because I know you folks in Europe are dealing with this, but the U.S. too, like they either say you're unvaccinated or you're vaccinated. They never, ever talk about people who have natural immunity. And even, yeah, and even Rand Paul questioned Dr. Fauci about this. Like, why is there not that third category? You're Mm. presented with two options. And if you Mm. don't take the one option that everybody's taking, you're bad, you're dirty, you're an anti-vaxxer. But they never say, like, I think he was saying in the U.S., 1.5 million recovered Americans with 
natural immunity. So why can't you get a passport for that? You know yeah. what I mean? But that's not even it's not even an option on the table at this point. Yeah, I would say that that's a very conservative estimate, like 1.5 million. I mean, how many people have had it and just didn't know that they had it? I mean, th- this virus for the majority of healthy people, it was a day of a cough, right? Some people had it and they didn't even know about it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's likely the numbers are much higher. Um, again, it's, I, I think the answer to that question would be that this, this isn't really about the health of the population. It's not about, you know, stopping the spread of a virus, but it's really ironic that the, pr- the treatment that is supposedly said to, uh, you know, stop the spread of a virus is actually, well, potentially making a lot worse. And this is, this is, this is the fundamental problem because although I'm not no immunologist or virologist, um, as per what I understand from a very basic level, is that essentially a virus uh, becomes uh, it's e- as it as it as it um, spreads through a population, you have less less deadly variants um, and they are more transmissible. Okay, so gradually it weans out. And the way that um, one of the authors in in one of the articles we we're reading for this show this week uh, described it was that essentially uh, when you have very deadly virant variants or variants which are particularly uh, particularly um, uh, threatening or dangerous for human beings, they usually kill their hosts. Mm-hmm. If they kill their host, then it means that it's very difficult to transmit that onto someone else. You see, the virus needs a living human being to survive. And so the way that kind of evolution naturally dealt with this problem was that, okay, if you get a very deadly variant, well, if it kills the host, it dies with it. And therefore, the virus that remains in the population at large becomes relatively benign, relatively neutral. Okay. It's something that um, is not really a problem. And that's what happens with natural immunity. But it seems as though what's what 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 it's it's looking like here is without intervention, um, what we've essentially done is potentially made things 10 times worse. And no one really knows. If, if we are generating new variants because of all of these people who've been vaccinated and the virus or the variants are adapting in some way and kind of avoiding detection and becoming more deadly, then we don't know how that's going to look. I mean, that, that could get, that could get really, uh, really serious. Yeah. Who knows? Well, children's health defense, um, they have a subsite called the defender. Uh, they did uh, a follow-up interview with uh, Vandenbosch. Um, it was called, Was Vandenbosch Wrong About Mass Vaccination and COVID Variants? Or Is This the Calm Before the Storm? And as you can predict, he basically said it is the calm before the storm. But one of the things he said, um, he said he believes that mass vaccination should be stopped with immediate effect um, and he supports early treatment of symptomatic COVID-19 patients with ivermectin and nutrients as the frontline COVID-19 critical care alliance and bird group ourselves and numerous others have proposed for months. Um, sorry, this was the part I wanted to read. Uh, Vandenbosch argues we're now in the calm before the storm. All signals that suggest the next wave in the autumn will present a greater risk are already in preprint scientific publications. So he says like, we're basically on the verge here of what he calls a pandemic of variants. Um, 
So what we're going to start seeing is like, it's not just the Delta, it's not just the Lambda. They're going to run out of alphabetic, like, you know, Greek alphabet letters pretty soon and have to start naming them after something else. Yeah, uh, and it could be the case that we do see a lot more people dying um, and we do see what equates to more of a pandemic, a more genuine pandemic. Um, it could be, well, I mean, it's it's difficult to know exactly what will happen. Um, I guess winter time in the Northern Hemisphere might, you know, or flu season, it's coming around not, not long uh, in a couple of months. So we should, you know, it's not too far to wait. Um, I guess we'll see. So, yeah. Um, any Anything else anyone wants to add? No. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. So um, to round off this week's show, vaccines, they might be doing the exact opposite of what they were intended to do or what most people think that they were doing. They think that they're providing themselves some protection. But in fact, we could be producing super spreaders of viruses which are way more deadly and lethal than the original virus itself. Um, if this isn't a reason to question uh, whether it's a good idea to get the vaccine or not, then I don't know what is. Uh, but it seems with the more information that we share every single week, because we essentially talk about COVID every single week now on this show, <laughs> if you haven't noticed. Um, but of course, if you're a regular listener, then you'll know that you know we document this stuff every single week and we're seeing... Uh, it's it's really ironic how the conspiracy theories just continue to get things right because uh, we all of the predictions have essentially come true and so it's kind of you know it, it you can forgive one for 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 anticipating that we are going to see some of the things play out as they have been laid out in what we've been discussing today because it seems as though um, everything else has has gone in the direction that we originally thought that it would do mm. so um so yeah i guess uh, we'll we'll see for the future and see how that how that plays out um but in the meantime thanks to my co-hosts uh thanks damien on the ones and twos and thanks to the listeners make sure to to uh download and and subscribe and like and share if you found this useful and helpful and um and yeah we'll see you next time for for another show so thanks for tuning in and see you next week bye everybody